to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. So lately there's been a ton of momentum around basic income in India. It seems likely there will be a program of some kind in the state of Sikkim in the near future, and there's discussion around doing something at the national level as well. So I had a chance to sit down with Sarath Davala. He's the coordinator for the Indian Network for Basic Income and vice chair of the Basic Income Earth Network. And we talked a bit about what's happening in India and where things might go from here. So here's Jim's conversation with Sarath Davala. Sarath, thank you for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure, Jim. So it seems like interest in basic income has really surged in India over the past six months. You're seeing proposals come out both on the national level and also in certain areas of the country. Can you just share, in your view, what's driving that interest? Well, I can really uh, point to three important moments. Um, way back in 2010, a women's trade union called Self-Employed Women's Association, in collaboration with Guy Standing and UNICEF, thought of this pilot study. I think that is a, an anonymous moment because um, even in 2014, when we came out with the report, uh, not many people actually took notice, so we had to literally scream from the rooftops. So that was one moment. That time, the union, the, basically, the union was interested in the delivery questions, the welfare delivery questions, and they felt that um, let us test an unconditional cash transfer and see if that works. And uh, it so turned out that the, the study clearly says, which is in the public domain now, that it works and it has uh, positive results. Then the second moment was in 2017 when the government, the chief economic advisor at that time, they presented a full comprehensive paper, of a 40-45 page document in the parliament, Indian parliament, saying that uh, kind of a perspective paper on universal basic income, that is this the direction that we should take. We participated in that report and uh, we were in, uh, I mean, working with the team that was uh, preparing this report. Uh, but then after that, the government really didn't take it forward. That was the second moment, but that happened close on the heels of Swiss referendum, which actually brought up uh, the whole question of basic income into the, you know, international policy circles and public debate. Then the third moment was um, one of the provinces in 2018, early 2018, Telangana, this is one of the four southern states. They came up with a very unique uh, program for the farmers because farmer suicide was a big issue and farmer distress was a big issue. And hundreds of thousands of farmers were on the streets in 2017. So 2019 was the election, so things were moving in that direction. So all the parties had to do something about farmers. So this particular province, um, Telangana, the TRS party, they came out with a program. They said there are 7 million farmers in our state, so we are going to announce, they announced a program universal to all farmers, a uh, certain amount of money for each season, there are two seasons, unconditional. You just have to have be the owner of this farm and you get it. It has its problems, but I think that gave uh, huge political dividends to that party. In December 2018, when there was an election, they got a landslide victory. So that made the whole, you know, everybody started copying, duplicating the same program in smaller states to the point that even the central, central government, the federal government also came out with its own plan for the farmers. So with that, that triggered off... Um, several things. And that early 2019, uh, Sikkim also announced a program that if they come to power, uh, the ruling party, they said they will 
uh, introduce a universal base, classical universal basic income. And then in February comes uh, Rahul Gandhi, the main opposition leader, saying that if we come to power, we will do, we will announce uh, a basic income to the bottom 20% of the population. But the sum that they have announced is quite interesting. We can discuss that later. So basically from the government when it came, it was more about converting the subsidies into cash, the inefficient uh, subsidies into uh, direct cash transfer so that, you know, you, uh, you get more uh, bang out of your um, rupee. Uh, from union perspective, it was about the delivery that the, most of the welfare programs are in-kind transfers in India. So, and uh, the delivery has been ex- the record has been extremely, extremely poor. So the union said that, you know, from the point of view of members, it is better that they get cash so that they use it the way they think is useful. So that's how the different, we were coming from different starting points, but we came, somehow came together. And we've been trying, to, as a, when we formed India Network for Basic Income, we've been work, trying to work with all governments, state governments and central government all parties, irrespective of, you know, we didn't uh, kind of align with any particular parties. Anybody who is interested in basic income, we wanted to work with them and try to show our findings. So that's uh, that's kind of very unique. Uh, I mean, different kinds of uh, things have triggered interest in India, but now it's uh, almost becoming mainstream now. Yeah, that's really impressive to see, particularly how quickly this seems to have happened there. I want to go back yeah. to a point you mentioned, which is uh, Rahul Gandhi, the president of the India National Congress, recently proposed providing a, a minimum income to specifically to poor people. I think you mentioned broadly what that is, but can you say a bit more about what that program would be? And also what you see as the pros and cons of that particular proposal? Yeah, uh, we have, um, as in the uh, we have written and we have made our position and we have also had long discussions with the uh, the group which was preparing this program. Uh, we tried to give our inputs and see we have uh, our uh, basic model is that, you know, it should be uh, basic income should be individual, universal, unconditional, only cash and it has to be regular monthly. That um, so we've been insisting on individual, but I think they went so they announced six thousand rupees per household, not individual per household. So that makes it seventy-two thousand rupees, which is close to a little more than thousand dollars. And uh, if we take the poverty line in India, um, which is I mean disputed, but still the only official poverty line we have in India is half a dollar a day in rural areas. You know. Uh, which means that $15 of consumer expenditure per person, that's a per capita consumer expenditure. Now, which makes it like, you know, if you take a uh, five-member uh, family, then that makes it $75, which means that whatever is the poverty line, he's proposed a program where he wants to give 20% of the population uh, a top-up of the same amount. So uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the plan. Um, I think it's a generous offer compared to all other cash transfers in India. It's uh, it's unconditional, which is also a very good thing. It's uh, it's targeted. Okay, in a country with 1.3 billion people, moving inching towards 1.4, you immediately you can't sit and talk about universal 
then the risk is that either the money will be too small an amount or uh, it won't be implemented at all. So we have never pushed for that uh, as in B. We have always said that, uh, first of all, the unconditional part is the most important and the monthly part is the most important. Individual is most important. So uh, they went for the household. But as I said, that the money is a very good uh, amount he's offering. The biggest challenge in this is um, how do you target? With the kind of uh, data we have, the kind of census data we have. uh, In fact, the targeting has always been um, almost a failure in this country because uh, there are inclusion errors and your exclusion errors and all kinds of things that already are happening at the moment. So much of the time, the bureaucracy is busy, you know, throwing people out and taking people in. You know, this is a kind of a game which is a, an endless game. So targeting has always been very inefficient and we don't have enough um, you know, data to ensure that the targeting is perfect. So how they are going to do is a very, very big question. That is my question also, how you're going to decide that 20%. As an intention, it's a great thing that you can start somewhere. But uh, that is, see, for example, with the farmers... There's no problem. Anybody who has a title is entitled. As simple as that. They have overcome that issue in that particular province. But when it comes to identifying poor, that is going to be a real, real big challenge. And how they are going to do is going to be where to wait and see. But I would see, we strongly support that program. We want to encourage, we want to participate, we want to give resources to the government with a party, whichever whichever is going to do it. So we see it as a very positive thing because giving cash, injecting cash into ultra-poor families will have a huge impact on their lives, on what choices they make and uh, what what happens. We have seen it with our own eyes in uh, the villages, nine villages that we have done the study. So... um, that it's a very very positive thing. I would I strongly support that program. And on that note, you're referring to the Madhya Pradesh study just now. Yeah. Uh, can you? I, I mean, that has been such a seminal experiment internationally, and I, I feel like modern conversation around universal basic income. So I'm curious: is that are the positive results there on on health, education, economic development, and so on? Is that really part of the current conversation when people are talking about these different programs? See, I think uh, this kind of thing always happens. You know, when you do a study in a vacuum, people listen to you and say, haha, okay, okay, fine, thank you so much. Uh, but they don't, uh, there's no There's no context, you know, except the fact that, you know, our welfare system is failing. We need to do something about it. Now, when the context appeared, uh suddenly everybody said oh, 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 oh my god you did this study come on come on let's see so every newspaper was after us every television channel was after us last one year you know uh, hundreds of people have gone to these villages and indian tv was buzzing with these interviews with the people who have actually received the basic income so in a sense when the government published this paper uh, I mean, we we contributed to that uh, paper as well, and they have acknowledged that you know we have these findings have shown. So they also made their argument that you know uh, empirical study by Seva has shown that you know people make good use of the money and they make better choices, and it actually improves um, uh, many things. 
So um, certainly, um, this uh, study, uh, this government wanting to convert subsidies into um, cash transfers, uh, there are many examples where it has succeeded. Government was also very uh, interested in doing that. Uh, and then the political dividends that political parties are now, you know, uh, eyeing that it is possible with this slogan, parties can also get votes. And uh, this is a great uh, convergence of all these things together. So there is an empirical study. There is a um, government actually articulating, having an interest, interest in it in terms of governance. And then political parties saying that, oh, my God, this looks like it's going to get us votes. Now, what more can I ask for? <laughs> it is nice when those things come together in a productive way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In fact, that's what I, I keep I'm saying now that, you know, no one single thing can actually um, work. No, the, the time has to come when this convergence happens. You know, that's what happened now in 2019. So... Earlier, you, you touched on the developments in, in Sikkim and the yeah. intentions there, at least, as to not just provide a, a targeted basic income program, but actually a universal basic income program. What is the status of that? And like, does, does it seem like there's going to be a real path forward for it? See, one of the, this Sikkim is one of the smallest states in India, and uh, it has a special status uh, because it joined the Indian Union a little later than other states. And uh, they are just 600,000 people. Uh, it's a small, minuscule in uh, 1.3 billion population. And uh, it's a hill state. And it is, uh, it's, it's been ruled by Sikkim Democratic Front for five terms. And they were going for the sixth term. And um, uh, compared to the rest of the country, their uh, human development index uh, has been quite uh, promising, quite good, quite positive. Uh, their standard of living is much better in terms of statistics uh, compared to the rest of the country. You don't see the kind of poverty you see in Bihar, in UP, the neighboring, the neighboring states, and even West Bengal. You don't see that in Sikkim. So anyway, uh, many things came together where I think in month of February, January, I think, um, this particular party made a big announcement in the country saying that we will do a universal basic income. The entire 600,000 people of Sikkim will get basic income. We will work out the details, but and we will roll it out from 2022 because we need time to build the legal framework and blah, 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 and all that. So um, their main issue was that uh, they have Heidel many hydropower projects, some in the pipeline and some already implemented. So they have a revenue source from the what we call commons and uh, that that they want to deploy and give a basic income plus it's also a state which attracts about 30 million uh, tourists every year there are many things uh, in sikkim uh, even i love to go if i get a chance to go and spend a week and rest uh, so uh, that's a beautiful uh, state so tourism and um, the hydropower projects, they see as uh, good, sustainable sources of revenue uh, for giving a basic income. So it comes from that. Then we started having discussions with, we offered our services, we offered our res resources to the party. 
in for that matter to everybody in all parties in sikkim huh? not just to one party uh, and then we said that you know whatever analysis you want whatever political technical support you want we will give provide so we've had lots of discussions with them and they are just now waiting for 20, may 23rd when the results will come this party comes back to power which is in my view very likely now they are actually going to initiate um uh this uh, how to f- define what to do whom to give and from our nb point of view what we are doing we are bringing out a handbook for the congress congress is in august and we are going to have a special session on sikkim uh to bring different opinions and the international basic income community is going to be there so uh that's the contribution we are making so it's really really exciting that they want to do it in the classical way Sarath, those were all the questions I had for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, uh, I mean, I just wanted to add that, you know, at one point of time, we saw that India was the most unlikely candidate for uh, the concept of uh, universal basic income. But uh, like I think in the past, during the whole when Marx was writing, he never expected that the revolution will happen in the places it actually happened. Similarly, I, I, I strongly feel I want to make this statement to all my friends friends and um, colleagues and also people who are working for basic income to say that you know the the moment we started was a very anonymous moment and then slowly things start happening and uh, then once they start taking shape you know then uh, things really go the way you never imagined so my suggestion and my advice to my friends is that you should start working on this and start talking about the unconditional part and then the individual part and the universal part and all the ethical moral arguments that are there to make a better world and better society that's that's the only thing because a lot of countries when i visit they feel that you know it's possible maybe there but not in our country we have too many objections but i say that uh, every country has objections but i think we just some group has to start igniting this fire that was jim pew and sarath davila on the basic income podcast so i just found it so interesting especially thinking about the progression of basic income in the us how you just never know when the moment's going to happen but if you are preparing for the moment at all times then then you're ready and if if you're not doing that prep work then you might miss your moment Yeah, I think that it's so we tend to think linearly about things and so the idea is like if something's going to happen, you build up to it and then eventually it happens. But actually, I mean you can look in so many different situations that you have nothing, nothing, nothing or seemingly nothing and then suddenly things start happening. And I thought his point about the current momentum really being due to a confluence of events was really interesting because I think that that's it's very likely that's going to happen in other places as well and it's it's so hard to predict and that as you say that is why you really want to do that ground lay that groundwork start doing that prep work so that when when those moments do come along you're ready to go yeah it was interesting hearing him talk about his three points in the beginning of the interview of progression and the first one was essentially they released a paper and it didn't get a whole lot of attention and i was listening thinking well that's that's not really a a point of progression but then you see how that leads to the next thing leads to the next thing and then yeah you have this confluence of events and all of a sudden that prep work you know it matters and it takes hold and i think 
Part of it is just normalizing the idea over time, at least among certain circles, so that it doesn't sound as crazy when you get your moment, that it's not just this brand new cut from whole cloth kind of thing. And so it's still, obviously there's still a ton of political work to do around bringing the idea into the discussion and actually making it happen. But when you have a state like Sikkim that seems like there's a good chance it'll actually implement a basic income, that is going to do so much work around you know, normalizing it for the rest of the country and then the surrounding region. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think also, in some ways, the flip side of that is I, I thought it was really fascinating to hear him talk about how, how much of a barrier it seemed like unconditionality was early on and then how quickly that's actually turned around. And so I think that we, we oftentimes see these narrative or cultural hurdles that exist. And I think that the takeaway often, for me at least, from, from things like that is like, oh, like we have a long ways to go because these are deeply ingrained. These are things that are going to take a long time to chip away at. But maybe that's not necessarily true. Maybe, again, if we can be pushing it on different fronts and, and the right things come together, maybe there can be some pretty quick shifts in, I mean, unconditionality views in the US or other, other countries, uh, and, and also some of the other common concerns that people have around basic income. Yeah, and I thought it was instructive when he discussed the program for farmers, how it was implemented, it became very popular, and then the other party got on board with it pretty quickly. And I think, you know, obviously this doesn't always happen, but when something becomes politically popular, you can point to Social Security, perhaps in the U.S., both parties get behind it or at least kind of dampen down their objections just, you know, out of pure political calculus. And I think it's hard to overstate what a big deal it might actually be if, if Sikkim actually does go ahead with this program because this, this isn't a trial. This isn't an experiment. They're actually talking about instituting for the entire province a universal basic income. This would be the first time that's happened. I mean, we have you, you have Dafan in Canada who had their, their main income program uh, for several years, but it's I think it's a pretty big difference when a federal program is being given to a city as opposed to a region deciding on its own, all right, we're doing UBI now. Yeah, that's just a major step in this whole long process. And if you think about the U.S., if, say, Nebraska said, we're, we're just going to do this, we're, we're going to you know, give a few hundred dollars per month per person, that would just go a, a, such a long way towards starting the discussion, making it so other states get interested, making it so the federal government says, you know, this seems to be working, maybe we'll actually do it. So we'll, we'll see very, very soon, based on the next election, where things go from there. So... Yeah, we'll want to keep a close eye on that. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to producer Eric Davidson. Please rate us and review us on the podcast service of your choice and uh, subscribe if you have not already. And please tell your friends, we're always looking to bring more folks into this conversation. See you next week. Mm -hmm.